0: Previously on At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz.
1: Is there anything on anybody's mind that they've got to get off their uh, chest before we say goodbye?
0: Sure, but not for this podcast. (laughs) At The Movies with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz begins now. (laughs)
2: Hello again, I'm Luke Katz, welcoming you to the podcast that keeps you informed on the ever-changing world of entertainment. We want to welcome from Vulture and WTOP Radio, Jen Cheney. Hello, everybody. And this week's guest from RogerEbert.com and Gold Derby, Susan Wazina. Hello. And now our moderator, longtime entertainment reporter, Arch Campbell.
1: Yeah, I've reduced my role to moderator because that's about all I'm good for these days. But here we are anyway, and it's always fun to speak to uh, Jen and to have Susan uh, on the program. And so let's start with uh, what we're recommending this week. Jen?
0: I am recommending Dickinson, which is in its second season on Apple TV+. This is a really fun and kind of quirky take on Emily Dickinson's life. It takes her work very seriously it it weaves in her poetry into every episode but Mm. the language in it the music in it is all very modern and this week is the the season finale of the second season as emily is still kind of dealing with you know she's starting to get published she doesn't know how to feel about that uh so she's struggling with all those feelings and it kind of comes to a a head in the last episode um and Haley steinfeld who plays emily is terrific in it
1: yeah she's great
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, And
1: what's that on again? It's Apple TV. So that's something else I got to (laughs) subscribe (laughs) to. And Susan Wazena, it's always great to have you uh, come and visit. And what have you watched or recommend uh, this week?
3: Well, it's funny because it seems like with um, Behind Her Eyes and also uh, I care a lot. I watched, and I really like Rosamond Pike in uh-huh, it. But uh-huh. it's a little hard. She's very wicked. <laughs> she's very good at. It. But I didn't quite enjoy the whole thing because it, it, it there isn't anyone you really can want to root for. And <laughs> on it. it's one of those things. But she's like a manipulative um, woman who takes over the guardianship of these you know kind of people people. my age yeah and my age too and (laughs) and she ends up being their guardian and takes over the whole estate and sells it and lives the high life and you know yeah
1: i watched i care a lot on netflix and i'm a big fan of rosamund pike anyway and this is where uh she uh worms her way into the estate of Diane Wiest, not knowing that Diane's son is the head of the Russian mafia. And the head of the mafia is played by Peter Dinklage. And I love the way he plays against type, the way he is always such a fearsome character. And as you know, he's he is a quite abnormally small man. and I think uh, I I love what he's done with so many of his characters. It's certainly not a great movie, but I thought it was highly watchable and kind of entertaining at, in that way of sitting on the couch and, <laughs> and uh, what are we going to do tonight? Well, let's watch this, and it's only an hour and a half or something. So it struck me I care a lot as uh, comedy horror and kind of that mid-level movie that uh, we're probably not going to see in movie theaters uh, in the future. Having said that, I'm hearing bad stuff about Behind Her Eyes, just like, oh my God, I, I watched it, and by the time I got to the end of it, I wasted all this time, and they they did it again, like the undoing. They tricked me into watching this. What do you what do you two have to say about behind her eyes?
3: Well, I thought it was going to be about sex, but then it turned out to be something way different and weird. And I, yeah, I, I did not like the last couple episodes when things went off the rails there.
1: Jen?
0: Yeah, it's not quite um, the undoing because the undoing at least... Some unrealistic things happened at the end of The Undoing, but it still was kind of grounded in reality, and it stayed in the same genre. Uh, This just decides to like go, as Susan said, just way, way out of uh, left field in the last couple episodes. And uh, I wrote a piece about it for Vulture, and that thing is just sucking in traffic because people get to the end and they're like, what? And then they Google, and then my piece shows up, and then they... Well, maybe this person gets it uh, I, you
3: got me sucked in because i go oh jen wrote something about it and then you i love how you compare it to soul and the cat <laughs> <laughs> no I, if you haven't seen that <laughs> it, it uh is an apt analogy so
1: <laughs> so is it a thumbs up or a thumbs down or or what is it
0: i mean <laughs> Yeah, movie. it's, a, I mean, it depends on how much you like. Some people love watching things that go off the rails. And if you actually enjoy that and you want to see exactly how it does it, then you might want to sit through all the episodes, all six of them. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure it's worth six hours of your time, but you know, you do you. Well, that's what <laughs> I did Sunday.
3: And by the end, I was mad they even watched it the episode.
1: <laughs> but I guess for people who, in quarantine who are still sticking inside, Uh, I suppose off the rails is an interesting way to go.
0: Maybe, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: Jen, what's new this week? What can we look forward to?
0: You know, there's there's not a lot new that's uh, super exciting this week. Minari, which we've talked about already, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. is going to be available on demand uh, everywhere now, um, not just through the A24 website. So that's going to be more accessible to people, and uh, cool. I highly highly recommend that film.
1: 1995.
0: Yeah, I believe that's probably the price uh, point, um, the usual price point. Well, Nomadland came
3: out on Hulu, so yeah everybody can see it and it's yes. basically the one that i think is going to be the one to be at the oscars and, and i'm
1: i am hearing people say they've seen nomad land because mm-hmm. it's uh so accessible
0: mm-hmm.
1: on uh, hulu
0: now right so that's out there too obviously uh and then if you're looking for a reboot they've rebooted punky brewster
3: maybe the world is blind
0: or just a little- <laughs> who was demanding it, but it happened. And the reboot is on Peacock, and it follows Suleiman Frye's playing Punky again as an adult. And she's a divorced mom, and she ends up taking in a, a, a young girl who needs a foster, who, of course, is, reminds her of herself when she was that age. It's a very saccharine kind of family sitcom, but one of the b- bright points in it, oddly, is Freddie Prince Jr. plays her ex husband, who is like constantly around, even though they're supposed to be divorced. And um, he's very likable in it. Like, I kind of wish the whole show was about him. <laughs> when was I? I forgot all about him. <laughs> you forgot about Freddie Prince or, or <laughs> forgot about um, Punky Brewster?
3: Well, I never watched Punky Brewster, so there
0: was nothing to forget. <laughs>
3: but no, Freddie Prince Jr., he was a thing for a while there. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think he's been working, but just not in particularly high-profile stuff. And mm-hmm. I, I would say he's the the actor in this, that he makes what they're doing seem very natural. Like, he just has a very natural way about it, about him. And the dialogue seems like something that people would actually say when he's the one speaking it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned uh, the United States versus Billie Holiday. And I'm- Oh, Yes. Uh, and- if you've watched that and what you think?
0: I haven't had a chance to watch it. I meant to before this, and there's just too much going on this week. Um, mm-hmm. but I've heard mixed things about it. That is available on Hulu this week. She's um, the best so thing
3: like- in it. the storytelling not yeah. so much. and yeah, we already saw it with Diane Ross doing it. So mm-hmm. you know, this is a little more intrigue with you know the FBI and all that. so
1: yeah yeah it's billy holiday and uh the pain of her life and her drug addiction and how she put that pain into her music and the government's uh hounding of her and i think she actually ended up in jail for a time and it was done by diana ross and lady sings the blues and I'm very interested in Billie Holiday, but I just haven't been able to bring myself to watch this just because I feel I know the story and I've already seen it. it seems like it's been done beyond Lady Sings the Blues, uh, that there's several TV movies or other, uh, maybe a documentary, just lots of looks at this.
0: But I mean, as Susan said, I have heard that Andrew Day is very good as Billie Holiday. Well, this is her debut and she's got
3: a great voice. I mean, maybe even better than Diana Ross, but then Mm -hmm. there's the acting part and it's not her fault. It's just, I left the movie about midway through because I just didn't want to watch her shoot up and be Mm -hmm. in pain. I wanted the performance more than the backstory of what they were doing to her, so.
1: So you're mixed on it, Susan? Yeah. Well, there you are. The Golden Globes take place Sunday night, and uh, what are we expecting from that? What can they do on the broadcast?
3: Well, that's the thing, because the whole thing that makes it fun is that they sit in tables, with stars all around them and they're drinking like crazy. And they, you know, by the time they get up, if they win an award, they're half crock And it's fun, right? But it's gotta be virtual this year. So that's something that these articles haven't touched on. There was one about in uh, the LA Times over the weekend and also the New York Times complaining about how they're basically making money hand over fist uh, along with them you know getting all these free trips from studios and everything and you know but i'm more worried that you know they suggest oh it's more like a party than the oscars and they're all tense when they go to oscars but they're all loose but that's i don't know how they're going to be doing the virtual thing cuz it's tina fey is in new york and then amy Polar's in um, L.A., and it may not be as good as it usually is because of the circumstances.
1: I read an article kind of lampooning NBC for taking over the Golden Globes way back when, that they, you know, years ago, NBC had the Oscars and lost them to ABC. And before every award competition got the kind of uh, attention they got, NBC decided to turn the Golden Globes into a thing. And there's sort of a, there's kind of a false nature to it.
3: Right. Because they're getting paid off in ways that the Oscar winners, they have jobs, right. That pay them. So <laughs> they, the, the people who are in the Academy, you know, they don't take graph or anything like that because, you know, they have, you know, they're, professional people. These are, you know, barely professional journalists. They can all they have to do is write six articles a year and they're a journalist. And then they leave out other people. There's this one woman who were was quoted in these stories from Norway. And they wouldn't let her in. There was no reason why. They just didn't. And and so they don't recruit new members very often. There's only 87 of them. I've met some of them over time, they're they're nice enough people, but I wouldn't, you know, they just have had this reputation of being bought off and it's just not good. I mean, but however, what they do pick sometimes does influence what happens eventually, like at the SAG Awards or at the Oscars too, so.
1: Yeah, it's the first big thing. It's the beginning of awards season, uh, which is exactly two months, incidentally, through uh, the Oscars on April 25th. Yeah. And uh, the first winner has an influence. So, right. uh, Jen, what do you think of the? What's your feeling on the Golden Globes?
0: Well, I mean, to Susan's point, there are so few members of the Hollywood Foreign Press and the given that it, it's, the Globes are given a disproportionate amount of attention. And, uh, and I would say they've even gained some credibility because people forget <laughs> about the Pia Zadora stuff. That was a long time ago. It seems yeah. like every 10 years, there's a, there, everybody's like, oh, by the way, these, these are a sham. And then everybody talks about it, and then they forget again. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, I think if they, if everybody could decide, you know, we're just not going to, we're not going to play. We're not going to do this anymore. It would be very easy to just shut the Golden Globes down if, the, if people wanted to. But I think that there are too many people who know that they can get a prize out of it or a nomination out of it that they might not be able to get out of the Academy or the Television Academy for the Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, Emily in Paris is not going to get a nomination for an Emmy. Uh, that's not going to happen. Um, but, you know, that's because the I'm Emmy gonna-
3: voters didn't go and. Go to Paris to watch be film and stay in a fancy hotel.
0: <laughs> right. I mean, they, they, uh, they put up the, a lot of the members of the foreign press. I think it was 30 of them or something in, on this nice junket in, in, in Paris and gave them access to the set. And, and by the way, there are uh, journalists who do the junket scene who are not in the foreign press, who are American journalists um, and who you know let the studios pay for their flights and hotels and things. And I've always been very uncomfortable with that. Um, whenever I participate in a junket, it's always, you know, on my company's dime. So that's a whole separate conversation about just how strange and, and inappropriate that arrangement is. But in terms of what's going to happen on Sunday night, my understanding, and maybe I'm reading too much into what I've been hearing, but is that there will be some people in person, but not everybody. So I, my sense is it's going to be a hybrid that some people will be in the location, maybe some of the presenters with Tina Fey, are in the location with Amy Poehler. But I do think it's going to take away a lot from what is appealing about the show, and even mm-hmm. just appealing about Amy Poehler and Tina Fey being together, which is mm-hmm. they're ter- they're terrific hosts, and they have worked together for so long they know each other's rhythms. And I have to think that being in two different on two different coasts is mm-hmm. going to affect that a little bit, but we'll see.
1: I have a bone to pick with the movie French Exit. Have you seen yes. French Exit? I have not. Gel Pfeiffer? And she's nominated for Golden Globe for Best Actress. And it's, not only is it quite lousy, she's kind of a latter-day Annie Mame who uh, was married to an older man and uh, runs through his money after he dies with the help of her son. Not only is it lousy, I don't think it hasn't played at any theater in Washington. And you can't stream it anywhere. It's like the invisible movie. <laughs>
3: well, I did get a, a, a screener
1: to look I at, but I, I
3: read up on it and I just said, you know, I got other movies I could
1: nobody's gonna see with. that.
3: Yeah,
0: no.
1: And that, and it's in the Golden Globes. So there
0: is a cat though another
1: cat movie <laughs> yeah yeah it's got a cat
0: well i mean i i don't know I, I i am supportive of anything positive for michelle pfeiffer so in that way i can't be that mad at it right but she's <laughs> never won an Oscar. i don't even know if she's
1: won a golden globe so <laughs> well what i'm
0: mad at
1: is nobody's got access to it it's just you know where but you it is? It about
0: a number of things nobody has seen music yet which is supposed to be terrible uh-huh. I mean, a lot of, and that happens every year that that things are nominated that regular people haven't seen yet. I mean, it's all the time.
1: Well, do you two have a prediction of what the Golden Globes will honor and who will come out of them with, uh, you know, with uh, the beginning of uh, of a movement to win the Oscar? What's it gonna do to Nomadland?
3: I think they could go for that. I mean, but the, Uh, The competitors are um, The Father, Mank, No Man, Land, Promising, Young Woman, and The Trial of Chicago 7, which are all very, you know, very eligible to be, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but it's who probably gave them the most (laughs) shachkis, I don't know. (laughs) Okay, yeah, let Jen speak.
0: Uh yeah, I mean, my inclination is to say Nomadland um, with the caveat that it's always very hard to predict the Golden Globes, but that, that would be my best guess at this moment for, for Best Picture Drama.
1: And how about uh, the other category, uh, comedy or musical?
3: Well, I would say either Borat or Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting if they choose Hamilton. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of leaning toward Borat. I, I think they like Sasha Baron Cohen quite a bit, and yeah. they gave it other nominations as well. They could do something wacky though and give it to the prom because they also really like Ryan Murphy.
3: I did not like the prom. You know, I'm no, a musical junkie. Did.
0: And I sat
3: there and it went on and on and, and it just was It was
1: terrible. You said you liked it. Well, I mean, you know, it was it was watchable, but I mean it it's not it's not Hamilton. It's right, not sure. great. It's it was oh this is kind of fun but yeah what are we gonna do next
3: right the only thing i laughed at was the eleanor uh, roosevelt musical (laughs) that was early on so and that's all
0: that joy that i got out of that so
1: so any other comments on the golden globes
0: well we haven't talked about the tv side i have to figure out my predictions before the end of the day because i have to file a piece about that um I mean, I think on the comedy side, the conventional wisdom would be that they're going to give it to Schitt's Creek because that won so many Emmys, but they have never really shown any kind of love for that show until this last season. Um, They pretty much ignored it. So I'm not sure if they might give it to something more unexpected like Ted Lasso. Ted,
1: I lied to you. I hired you because I wanted this team to lose. I wanted you to fail.
3: And I sabotaged you every chance I've had. Forgive you. They tend to go to newer things. They like to stand out at least in the TV section. Right. So I love Ted Lasso, so I wouldn't mind if it won. So yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, so that's maybe the
3: first. So to give it something.
0: And then on the drama side, I mean, I'm I'm inclined to say the crown. They have given it a globe before, but it was way back, Mm -hmm. I think, in the first season, and they haven't honored it again since then. So unless again they do something a little surprising and, and maybe give it to the Mandalorian. But I'm still figuring this out, as you can tell, because uh, I haven't written my piece yet. But it, it just, I just find it really hard to com- to predict what they're going to do because they, they just, there aren't necessarily consistent patterns.
1: Brown really did have a great season Yes. this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But <laughs> what, the, what does that have in common with the Golden Globes? <laughs> <laughs> So, Lou, what are you watching in the Cats household these days? Let's listen to the voice of the people.
2: <laughs> I don't know about that. Uh, we finally wrapped up Ted Lasso, which was fun, uh, and I'm looking forward to the fact that it's going to be a second season uh, for Ted. And uh, we're also still watching that that French show, uh, Call My Agent. So. That's pretty much, oh, we did watch uh, the first round of uh, Alan V. Farrow. Oh,
3: Pharaoh. This is the story of two of the biggest stars in the world.
2: The father is Woody Allen, writer, director, actor. The mother is Mia
1: Farrow, his co-star and mother of his three children.
0: Say hi. Hi. I wanted to
1: ask all of you about Alan V. Pharaoh because I watched the first episode and it seems to have kicked off quite a lot of reaction and conversation this week. What do you think of uh, Alan V. Farrow?
0: As I said last week and as I wrote in my review, I think it, it's an obviously one-sided thing because they, mm-hmm. they spent most of their time with, their, with the Pharaohs, and Woody Allen and Sun Yi uh, and even Moses Pharaoh. like they wouldn't speak for the documentary, but they're transparent about where they're, you know, who they talked to and who they didn't. And I do think when you look at a lot of this information, it is very difficult to, to think that Dylan Farrow is not telling the truth. And, uh, and it's just striking how, I mean, I've been getting emails and, and some feedback on Twitter from people. And this was before the documentary debuted. This is like last Friday or Saturday. Point by point, this is wrong. This is wrong. I think this is, I'm like, you haven't seen the, the documentary.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: People that just feel very strongly that Woody Allen could not possibly have done this. Well, they have um, photographic evidence of him just clinging
3: to her at every moment. Yeah. I mean, there probably are photos where they're not, <laughs> you know, clinging, but it, there's something amiss. You you just feel it in your bones when you're watching it. it it's not even the word so much as just looking at how he was right. attached to her.
0: And, well, and the fact that he was in therapy because his behavior was inappropriate before this incident happened. I mean, right. that... that shouldn't need to happen if everything's completely normal. But, you know, he released a statement debunking the whole thing. And apparently his publisher is suing HBO because they used excerpts from the audiobook of his memoirs mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. in the documentary. And I'm not sure why that's not fair use. Um, that's right. certainly their argument that it's fair use. But I think, and the other thing is his, his argument too, is that they asked him at the last minute and he didn't have to, you know, wasn't given adequate time, whereas one of the producers said that they contacted Leslie Dart, his publicist, um, two years ago, or back in 2018. So even though they didn't talk to him directly, his people knew what was going on. I would
1: just say that (laughs) I found it difficult to watch. It's, it's, it's difficult to watch. And, and the core is that uh, Dylan Woody Allen asked Mia to adopt a little blonde girl and when Dylan came along, he focused all of his attention on her, even over and above uh, the son he had with Mia Farrow. And I, I learned this, that uh, the son, whom they named Satchel, mm-hmm. is actually Ronan, right. who is now so well known as a journalist, and I hadn't put those two together. Oh, really? It just... No, but <laughs> well, I'm about three steps behind. <laughs> well, and you know, how many brothers and sisters does he have? Yeah, Nine? Well, it's
0: a large family.
1: I just, it's a, it's a hard, it's it's a hard watch. It's, and, and you don't want to discount what uh, Dylan is saying. Mm-hmm. So it's just, it's tough to watch. So uh, Lou, would you remind everybody where they can get? This fabulous podcast.
2: We are available on multiple platforms. SoundCloud, we originate from SoundCloud. You can also get us through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and uh, Google. Pretty much wherever you get your uh, your other, other podcasts, as if you would want to listen to anything else but are at the movies podcast but those are available are, there
1: are we on hound radio we come from the cat's podcast system uh home <laughs> of hound radio
2: yes it's all sort of a, a big mega conglomerate merged together arch <laughs> speaking speaking of hound radio i
1: like bagels big and round. please bring me the finest bagels in town
2: and you'll find those at bethesda bagels you'll also find them playing hound radio at their downtown bethesda location owner steve fleischman and the staff know how to make a great bagel and they also know a great radio station when they hear one thanks folks for aiming your dough covered ears at hound radio
0: with Arch Campbell, Jen Cheney, and Lou Katz comes to you from the secret underground bunker studios of the Katz podcasting system.
1: So, Jen, how about throwing flashbacks and favorites? Oh, I got one thing I want to say before we get going in this. Uh, and it's thanks to you, Jen. I was uh, looking at HBO, and they had high fidelity in Rotation. So I picked it up on demand and watched it again for the first time in 21 years and was just blown away by how much I enjoyed it. Just just how, uh, how great of a performance John Cusack uh, gave uh, in High Fidelity, dominating the movie. And that's also the movie where Jack Black emerges as a character. And, uh, you had mentioned... High Fidelity, because uh, you saw it uh, when the Maza Theater opened. Mm -hmm. The late lamented not to be returned to Maza Theater. And uh, I don't know if it's still in HBO's rotation, but it was for a while. And uh, I was glad to watch it again.
0: Uh, And I I would also recommend the Hulu series High Fidelity that came out last year, which was uh, kind of an update on it with Zoe Kravitz in the main role. Mm -hmm. And they did Mm -hmm. not give that thing a second season. I'm still so disappointed Mm -hmm. because it Mm -hmm. sounded like they were going to go in some really interesting directions with it. Um, I talked, I interviewed her and Nick Hornby and uh, I was really interested to see what they were going to do next. So, but the first season is still there, and you can watch that.
1: So, would you like to throw your flashbacks and favorites at us?
0: I will lob them right in your faces. Um, so, <laughs> since we we're talking about the Golden Globes and award shows, uh, I am wondering who your favorite award show host is. Who have you enjoyed the most? And you can name more than one person if if you need to.
1: Susan, I'll. Uh, well. Prefer-
0: the
3: most, one that is most in my mind is Billy Crystal. Yeah. Who I've yeah. interviewed many, many times.
1: Tonight, enjoy yourselves, because nothing can take the sting out of the world's economic problems like watching millionaires present each other with golden statues. I uh, was at the Oscars uh, many of those years, uh, back in the press room with Billy Crystal MC, and the whole place, you know, full of chattering, nattering people, completely shut up to watch Billy and his his brilliant openings. He's He sets the bar for award shows. Uh, it's only Billy Crystal. Hmm. How about you, Jen?
0: Uh, I did enjoy Billy Crystal back in the day. Um, when he hosted again recently, I didn't think it was quite as successful. No. So I have three answers. <laughs> the first one is um, David Letterman. No, mm-hmm. oh, really? Good. I yes. was one of the few who thought he did a great job because he just didn't care that he was, that he was <laughs> hosting the Oscars. He, did he wanted to do, and, and it was... I'm with you. It was kind of unexpected. It, it wasn't all successful, but I liked that he just brought himself to it, and it didn't feel like somebody else was tr- trying to steer him a certain direction.
2: Steven Spielberg, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and David Geffen, one of the big stories of the year, got together and formed DreamWorks SKG, their own studio. Well, they're a hit already, aren't they?
0: <laughs> I am a huge, huge fan of of Amy Poehler and Tina Fey. I think their monologues are just amazing. Um, some of their one-liners from those—I mean, the the one about George Clooney and and uh, Gravity being a movie about him, you know, wanting to float away and die rather than spend any more time with a woman his own age. Like they, they just have some. <laughs> Great lines. And then, um, you know, at a smaller show, uh, Nick Kroll and John Mulaney hosted the Spirit Awards a couple times, and they are great together. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite award show jokes comes from that when John Mulaney said, you know what would be a terrible way to commit suicide? Cut in line in front of Francis McDormand at the grocery store and then turn around and say, hey lady, calm down. <laughs> um, so they were very funny as well. I would love to see them host the Globes or, or something a little more high profile. But anyway, those are my answers.
1: The Oscars are just a terrible thing to host because the Academy uh, has a stick up there behind and uh, are just a horrible, reactive, terrible bunch of people, you know, who are trying to breathe life into uh, the movie industry. And I, it's it's completely, there's no way to win when you host the Oscars. So, uh, so for that reason, I'm with you on David Letterman. And he was never asked back.
0: No, (laughs) nor do I think he would have accepted,
3: even if they had, because. I just remember he, didn't he bring a dog act on stage?
0: Yeah. He did stupid Petricks. Yeah.
1: (laughs) 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 So Lou, you got any Oscar favorites? I'm with uh, you, Jen. I, I,
2: I have always been a huge fan on these award shows of, uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, I always thought they did a great job.
1: Well, I guess next week we'll know uh, a little bit more about awards season after the Golden Globes. No matter what you think of them, they'll uh, put uh, some winners on our minds. So we'll be looking forward to that. And uh, Lou, would you like to uh, wrap us up?
2: Well, regardless of which side, quote unquote, you're on with the Allen versus Pharaoh documentary, I thought we'd wrap up with a song from one of the Woody Allen most classic films, Annie Hall. Now, you know, any soundtrack to a Woody Allen movie has always got all kinds of music in it. A lot of it is jazz. This is Guy Lombardo with Seems Like Old Times from Annie Hall. And uh, we'll catch you next week with our next podcast right here.
1: Seems like old times Having you to walk with Just like old times Having you to talk with, and it's still a thrill Just to have my arms around you Still the thrill that it was the day I found you Seems like old times Dinner, dates, and flowers, just like old
0: That's podcasting system.